It's great to uh, be able to sing together. And uh, just a, a side note on uh, singing. I just got back from the, um, we had a worship leaders conference in, uh, in, oops, here we go, out in Miami, Florida. Let me make sure this thing is turned on here so I can roam around a little bit. And uh, anyway, it was so incredible to be together with singers and worship leaders from all over. The uh, Actually, people from uh, many nations in the world. It was really encouraging to be together and uh, just talk about our singing. And uh, I love to sing with God's people. I hope you do too. And uh, that last song, you know, it's a prayer to God. I would rather uh, be a doorkeeper uh, in your kingdom than uh, live in is that scripture, and so it's talking about, hey, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, is what it says in that scripture. And that's one of those songs that we got to sing out. I didn't feel like we were singing out as much as we should on that song. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want to give you just in the midst of, as we're going along here, let's sing, let's sing out, guys. We're here to sing, you know what I'm saying? It's, that's what makes it powerful when we all sing with all our hearts. And so uh, we're going to talk, I'm going to talk about that every, every time I get the mic, I'm going to talk about we need to sing. Okay? So I'm just warning you, because I think we've got to be reminded, just like we've got to be reminded, we've got to share our faith. We've got to read our Bible. We've got to pray. We need to sing with all our hearts. Amen? That's a, just a side thing that has nothing to do with the lesson, but the Holy Spirit just put it off on my heart. Uh, anyway, we are going to be talking about godliness today. Uh, we are in the, a, a series, we're starting a new series. If you're visiting with us, we're really grateful that you're here. And uh, welcome to South Bay Church. And we have been talking all 2010 about transformation. Ways that we transform into Christ-likeness. And different uh, important things when it comes to transformation. Last uh, month we talked about focus. This month we're going to be talking about godliness. And uh, the title of the lesson today is Godliness Has Value for All Things. Is it working, Jamie? There we go. Godliness has value for all things. Godliness is something that affects every aspect of your life. Every part of your life is affected by godliness. It, it, it's something that is, goes throughout your life from start to finish, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Godliness is, is a principle of of, of who you are kind of all the time. Uh, I, I shared a couple weeks ago when I preached about some problems I'd been having with my computer. So I just wanted to give you guys an update. Um, my, uh, my, my computer, I was having problems with partitioning on my hard drive and all these, it was doing all this wacky stuff. And so anyway, I ended up uh, having to salvage whatever I could from the hard drive and then reinstall the operating system and kind of start over and reload all my software on it. But it was, and so it got me through the conference this last week, so that was great. Uh, amen, you know. But it was still really kind of working sort of funky and different times it would lock up and just, I was like, man, I, I, it's not working, it's still not working right. So I took it this weekend and, and they said, well, there's still a problem with your hard drive, we've got to give you a new hard drive. Because your hard drive on, on your computer is something that affects every part of the operation of the computer. There's only two things that really affect every part of the operation of the computer, the RAM and the hard drive. Because everything the computer is doing, it's kind of, kind of referencing the hard drive. And so what he said is, even though it's working, and it, it just keeps kind of working slow and locking up and that kind of thing, it's because the computer is having to do all these sort of extra calculations to get by. And so that's why it's, you know, it, it, it works, but it doesn't work right. And you know what, what I'm talking about, you know, you, when your computer starts to get old, and, and it's just, it's all, it just doesn't work like it did when you first got it. 
Well, a lot of times it's because the hard drive is getting old, and, and so the computer is still functioning, but it's making a lot of extra calculations to try to get by. Godliness is that way. If you have foundational godliness, if you have true biblical godliness in your life, it affects every area of your life, and everything falls into place. But if you don't have foundational godliness, if you don't really, if you don't know what godliness is and you're not living it out, you're kind of like that computer that's trying to get by. Even You might have a form of godliness, you might have a little bit of religion in your life, but no power. You're not able to really transform, you're not able to really see change. You know, something doesn't quite click, just kind of like my computer. So I got a new hard drive, and it's like, it's like having a brand new computer. I'm, I'm so fired up, everything works great. And so, uh, so that's, what, that's what godliness is like. What does godliness mean? If you look in the Bible, I'm just going to show you a word search. Is this not working? Are you doing it, Jamie? Oh, it is working. Okay, here's, here's a, we're not going to dig into these scriptures. I just want to kind of see, this is the result of a word search of godliness. It's in there 12 times. Acts 3, 12, when Peter saw this, he said to the men of Israel, Why does it surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? 1 Timothy 2, 2, for kings and all those, you're offering prayers, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. 1 Timothy 3, 16, beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. We're going to look at that verse in a minute. 1 Timothy 4, 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. That's the title of our lesson today. 1 Timothy 6, 5, constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. First uh, Timothy 6.11, you man of God, flee from all this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, endurance, and gentleness. First Timothy, uh, Second Timothy 3.5, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Titus 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, a servant of God, apostle of Christ Jesus for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Second Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Second Peter 1.6, Add all these things to your life, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and the godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. So those are all the verses that have that word in it. You get kind of a feel for godliness. It's, godliness is different than being righteous or being sanctified or being holy because that's something God's grace does. God's grace justifies us. God, God's grace sanctifies us. But godliness is our part. Godliness is the way that we live in response to God's grace. Godliness is a sense of reverence. It's, it's a Greek word that was used by the Greek philosophers before, long before Paul ever used it. And the Christians, like they did with a lot of words, they sort of took it and made it their own. And it, it means like a sense of reverence, a sense of living your life in a way that you know you're acknowledging God. That God is real and you're living in reverence to Him. It's how you live your life. It's not being religious, it's about who you are on the inside. It's about how you live. And most of these verses are found here in, uh, in, in Paul's writings, writing to Timothy about how to, how to lead the church. And so we're going we're gonna to kind of dig in there. T- turn to 1 Timothy, if I didn't tell you that already. Turn to 1 Timothy. And uh, we're going to dig into a few of these verses here. You know, again, most of the times you find this word, it's Paul... It's in his letters to Timothy. Paul was one of the uh, 
key apostles, one of the key leaders in the early church that started churches in a lot of different cities throughout the, the Greek, uh, the Roman Empire. And uh, after he started these churches, uh, he, he kind of moved around and he strengthened them. He took several journeys as a traveling missionary. And then the Romans got a hold of him and they put him on trial. So he spent a lot of time, many years in, in prison. He wrote these letters from in prison on trial for his faith. And he's writing Timothy, who's leading one of those churches that he had started. And Timothy is now the lead guy, so he's giving him a lot of just practical direction on how to lead the church there. And so this is several years after Jesus, several years after the church has gotten started. The church is in place, it's going, it's moving. And then this, his letters are kind of about just how to, how to lead the church. What, what does the church need? So this is great stuff for us, because that's kind of where we are. The church is, is founded, it's here, we're in place. Now what do we need to do? And so that, it kind of applies to us in a, in a real sense. 1 Timothy 3, uh, in verse 14, it says, Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question... The mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in body. He was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken into glory. So Paul describes here, first of all, he says, the reason I'm writing these letters is, is to show people how to conduct themselves in the household of God. And that's really what godliness is about. It's kind of like, what does it mean to be in the house of God? How do we need to act as Christians? Those of you who are parents, you know, you have these kinds of talks with your kids, like, in our house, this is the way it's going to be. You know, I, I know that might go on over there, but here's the ground rules for our house. And that's kind of what godliness is. It's like, this is how, well, this is what it means to be in God's kingdom. This is how it means to live your life. You know, it, it's not about working your way to salvation. It's not about grace. This is, this is our part. This is what kind of life should we lead? And he says it's a mystery. Godliness is a mystery. And it started with Jesus. It started with what he did for us. God did the hard part. And he quotes this thing. This is a kind of a side thing, but this part here that looks kind of like a poem in your, in your Bible, it's sort of, they, they believe this was an early Christian hymn. And so Paul is using this early Christian song right here kind of to make a point. And, uh, it's kind of cool because there, there are people that try to say Jesus never rose from the dead and this is something that they made up later and you might have heard this before if you've gone to college. Uh, sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll talk about this, that this was something that was invented hundreds of years later or something. And, and, and there's so much proof against that because the most earliest writings, not, you know, this, this little section here, this is an early Christian hymn, so this predates Paul. This is something that was already part of the church, and it talks about Jesus raising from the dead. So the very earliest Christian writings all talk about him raising from the dead. So, but God did the hard part. God has already set us up. God has set us up to be able to be godly. I want to show you this, uh, this verse, or this uh, word. Whoops. Let me go back here. I want to teach you all a little Greek today. This is the word Eusebia. Eusebia. Sorry, the emphasis on Eusebia. Let's all say that. Eusebia. One more time. Eusebia. That's the word we're talking about. That's godliness in the Greek. That's how you say it so you can impress your friends. But First Timothy 3, as we're looking at here, 
Um, it, it's, it's really, a, godliness is really about how you live your life. It's, it's who you are. And just as we're getting into these, these texts, I want you to take a second and just think about your own Christian walk right now. Just take a minute of self-reflection. You know, who are you as a Christian, if you are a Christian, when no one else is looking? When no one's asking you? When no one's checking up on you? You know, what is your faith about when, when no one's around? When you're, when you're all alone? What are you really made of spiritually? How do you respond to hard times? How do you respond to pressure, to stresses, to, to tests in your faith? How do you respond? What are your real core inner spiritual values? Who are you from the inside out spiritually? You know, who are you really inside when it comes to spirituality? That is godliness. That's this word, Eusebia. That's godliness. And in 1 Timothy 4, let's skip down there. In verse 1, we're going to dig in here a little bit more to Paul's train of thought here when it comes to godliness. It says to Timothy, The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teachings that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And then he goes on and and describes what he needs to do. Godliness has value for all things. It affects every part of your life. It, it's, it's good for everything. You ever have somebody try to t- sell you something they said was good for everything? You, you know, these different products that you look at the, the, what it's good for, and it's like everything you can imagine. It cures everything. I remember this guy we were studying the Bible with when I was in college. Uh, his name was Chaunce. And uh, we were doing the Bible studies and trying to help him become a disciple, follower of Jesus. And he was just so torn because he was so into this product. I wish I could remember the name of it. But it was this product that he was trying to sell. And if he could get other people to buy it, and then they distribute it, then he gets some of that proceeds, and then, you know, it grows and grows. But, but it's perfect because this product is so perfect, it kind of, it's good for everything. I don't know what it was. Anybody know? There's a lot of stuff like that, right? It, it was some, you know, juice, some green algae or something or other, you know. But there's all these things like that. You know, this meteor fell and it landed in the soil. And then the so- if you get some of that soil and you rub it, you know, it's good for everything. Back in, it, nothing's new. I mean, back in the day it was snake oil. Now it's some, you know, some other thing. And it's back to being snake oil again. But godliness is the real deal. Godliness really does have value for every part of your life. And so it's worth investing in. So if, if I can get you to, to do one thing from this talk here today, it's to, to, to see the need to invest in godliness. The need to really take it seriously. That Who I am spiritually is the most important thing in my life. And I've got to invest in godliness. 
Because God, God has set us up. And, and godliness holds a promise, he says, for this life and the life to come. Both here and what's to come, we have a promise. God has done the hard work. I want to show you a verse. You don't have to turn there. But Second Peter 2, 3, and 4, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. God has given us everything we need. Don't you like to have everything you need for a certain job or a certain... Uh, you know, if you're, if, you're on the, if, you, if you're working a job and you don't have the tools you need, it's so frustrating. Anybody, you know, that you've ever had a job where so, something was expected of you and you didn't have the right tools. I remember when I was a sales associate and uh, we had this fax machine that was just horrible. It was always breaking down and, and you know, there was always be a line of salesmen. We got to fax our orders and the fax machine's always breaking down and jamming. And it was so frustrating. It was like, why can't you just get us a new fax machine or get us a few fax machines so we can do our job? So frustrating. I could so relate to that scene in Office Space where they took the fax machine out and, and destroyed it. But, but God, is, He doesn't set us up like that as, as Christians. He gives us everything we need through His promises. You can be a godly man or woman today because God has given us everything we need. And we have a promise for this life and the life to come. Another verse, Titus 2.11, it says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. See, it's God's grace that produces godliness in us. It says right there that the grace is what teaches us to say what? No to ungodliness. If if you're not a godly person, if you don't have godliness in your life, you probably haven't really understood God's grace or received God's grace yet. Because if you really get God's grace, if you really get what He did for you on the cross, as Calvin talked about, it motivates you. The Bible says Christ's love compels us. I've got to do this. I've got to give God my life. And he says there's this present age, godly lives in this present age, and then we're also waiting. So there's this idea of this life and the next life. That godliness has value for both. And so we're going to look at both of those today. This life. This life, we're living in contrast to the world. That's the, what godliness produces in us. First uh, Timothy 4. Let's back up here and see what he's talking about. He, he says that in the last days, verse 1, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And then he goes on to describe what some of the teachings were. You know, there are always going to be a lot of different wacky religious teachings. And there are always going to be a lot of different things taught. And yet, Eusebia, godliness, is not about being religious. It's about who you are from the inside out. And I don't know about you, but I don't even like being called religious. You know how sometimes people talk about, oh yeah, so-and-so, yeah, he's really religious. Yeah, he's always got his Bible and, you know, whatever. Teens, you know, people say that about you at school. You know, so-and-so, she's really religious. She's got her Bible in her locker. I hate being called religious because just that, that, even that word, it just conjures up this idea of somebody who's hypocritical. 
Somebody who says one thing and does something else. You know, somebody who's just, oh, yes, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, and yet they're, you know, their life doesn't... You know, we've all either been that person or, or we've known that person. And, you know, we just sometimes it just religious hypocrisy makes our skin crawl, doesn't it? And so we're supposed to live so different than that, so opposite of that, that religious hypocrisy. He says down here towards the end of this chapter, verse 11, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, teaching. Verse 15, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. See, godliness is about who you are, how you live your life. He talks about speech. He talks about faith. He talks about hope, purity. Just the way that you live your life, that's, that's the way we really reflect Christ. Not just going to the right church or knowing the right things or, you know, believing the right doctrine. That's important, but it, it's about who we are. Godliness. We've got to stand in contrast to the religious, the religiosity in the world around us. People believe all kinds of crazy things. And, and I love that the Christianity is just simple. It's Jesus was God as a man. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. And now he calls us to be his followers, to listen to his teachings, to live like him, to, to help other people become his disciples. And, and, and it affects your daily life, everything that you are. It's, it's simple. Christianity is simple. In the first century, it wasn't like, oh, I go to this kind of church or that kind of church, or I believe this or I believe that. Or, it was just, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I believe in him. I love that they, even, they didn't even really have a name for the church. You know, they called it the Church of Christ or, the, or God's Church. Or the, I, I, I love the name they gave it, The Way. They just called it The Way. I'm a follower of the way. What do you mean the way? The way. I mean, this is the way to live. And, and that's what we're trying to do. That's who we're a part of if we really are believing in godliness. If we're really living godliness. Not being religious, but being godly. Uh, let's look at 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. You with me? It's a little dark in here. Don't go to sleep. Okay, this is a similar passage. He's talking again about the last days. It says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the, in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. You know, boy, I just, who, who, who here is in high school? Raise your hand if you're in high school. Okay. Did I not just read a description of your high school right there? I mean, that is high school. Boastful, proud, lovers of money, lovers of self, not disobedient, even throws in disobedience to their parents. You know, this is the world. This is your work environment. This is your neighborhood. This is your school. This is the world, and we are to stand in contrast to that. We're, to, we're supposed to be different. He, he, he says down in verse 10, 
You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Look at this part, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, what? Will be persecuted. You know, we are to stand in contrast to the world. We're to be different. And it means we're going to be persecuted. And if you're not being persecuted, if you're not finding resistance in your your Christian walk, if, if, if you're not in the struggle, then you're probably not living a godly life. You know, it's easy to kind of fit in. It's easy to go with the flow. It's hard to be a true disciple of Jesus because it means you're going to be countercultural. It means you're going to stand out. It means you're going to be different. If you want to live a godly life, it's promised right here, you will be persecuted. And so it helps if you know it's coming. You know how, how, how it helps if, you know, if, you're, if you're an athlete and you're about to go into the game. It helps to know, you know, I know I'm going to be, if you're in football, I know I'm going to be hitting somebody and it's going to hurt. But, but that's, I'm good. Because that, that's what it's all about. You know, you're about to go into it. And that, that's the spiritual life. It's like, you're going to be persecuted if you want to be godly, so be ready for it. And when it comes, don't be surprised, but stand strong against this world that we're in. Godliness is powerful, and it's not just being religious. I, I, I like this verse here in verse 5, back up in verse 5. It says that the world has a form of godliness, but denying its power. Boy, that described a lot of my life. I, I believed in God, I, was, I went to church, and yet I didn't have God's power. I remember, you know, knowing certain sins were wrong, and yet feeling powerless to change. Feeling, feeling like, where is the power, God? And yet when you really... Uh, put godliness, that foundational godliness that I'm talking about, you see there's so much power because it's not about you, it's about God and His Holy Spirit and what God can do in your life. Uh, Godliness has value for all things. It holds a promise for this life. God's way works. Do you believe that? Are you willing to surrender to His way and live in godliness, trusting His plan, doing it His way? Or are you settling for just a form of godliness? I want a little bit of godliness, but then you don't have the power. And it, and it doesn't work. Your marriage, your family, your parenting, your schooling, employment, dating, godliness holds a promise in this life. Amen? If you're willing to be different. Second thing we're going to look at is the next life. Looking forward, the life to come. Look at First uh, Timothy 6. Back up to First Timothy 6. First Timothy six verse three says, "If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and the godly teaching, he's conceited and understands nothing." There's a lot in this in these verses about false teaching, isn't there? Paul knew even early on, the early days of the church, that Satan's going to use false religious teaching. That helps people to kind of feel a little bit better about themselves, but their lives don't change. They don't really transform. We've got to go back to the scriptures and, and, and godly sound teaching. 
says he has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, constant friction between men of corrupt mind who've been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means of financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves, pierced themselves with many griefs. He, he says godliness with contentment is of great gain. And where does this contentment come from? It's from this sense of who God is and where we're headed. He says, I, I didn't bring anything into the world and I can't take anything with me. And so it's better to be content, have godliness and contentment. That's the way God designed us to be lived and fulfilled. The world tells us again and again and again that we can't be content. And we're bombarded by it. I mean, do you realize how many messages we get every day of what we need and, and how we can't be content? I mean, every advertisement, every billboard, it's saying if you just have this, if you just have this phone, if you just have this iPad, if you just have this uh, this drug, it'll make you feel better. If you just have this, 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 you need this, you need this, you need that. If you use this kind of shampoo, if you just shave with this razor, you know, your woman will just think you're amazing. Oh, he's got this kind of shave. Oh. You know, it's just, we're bombarded by these messages of you need this, you need this, you need this. And yet Paul says, godliness with contentment. That's what we need. And he says, if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Is that true of you? As long as I got food and clothing, I'm good. You know, I remember feeling that way as a college student. You know, all I had was my backpack. You know, and, and I'd have, I had grape nuts, a, a box of grape nuts in there I could survive on for several days. And some top ramen, if, if you know, it's like, if I got food, if I got clothing, I'm good. And yet, you know, the older I get, I've got a house, I've got kids, you know, I kind of want stuff. And I, and I get to where I, I kind of, I'm not content. I want this, I want that, I want this to be set up, I want that to be set up. And i got to remember, I've got everything I need. If i got food and clothing, I'm good. Because that's not, you know, life is not about stuff. Life is about God and relationships and and uh, and serving him and I'm on a, I'm on my way I'm on a journey somewhere. Uh Sean Wooten gave an illustration one time that you know how weird it would be if somebody got on a plane and 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 they unpacked their suitcase and started putting everything away in different spots and you know kind of setting up their little area and maybe put on their jammies you know and and, and you know kind of finding a spot for their toothbrush you know finding a place maybe hang, hung a picture on the wall it's like that, you just think that person was insane. Because you're just on your way somewhere. And yet that's what we do in this life. We, we, we try to set it all up. We, try, we put so much stock into... We're on an airplane, you know? We're on our way somewhere. And so we've got to be content while we're here. Uh, life is about looking for... Life to come is about looking forward and, and thinking ahead. And we don't... That's hard for us. It's hard for us to be long-term. We're such short-term thinking people, aren't we? I, I had uh, 
uh, lunch with my daughter today at uh, LBJ, El Burrito Jr. It's by my house, which I love that place. It's awesome. On PCH, right by McDonald's. Great place to eat. Anyway, I thought I'd put in a free, uh, put in a, you know, little commercial for them. But, uh, we, you know, at the end of the meal, they give you these mints. And so she, she traded in her sucker for a mint, and the guy gave her, like, two extra mints. So she had three mints instead of one sucker. So she was like, yes! And um, so she asked, how many can, can I eat? And I said, well, you can eat two. And she was like, okay, I'll save this for later. And then she said something so funny to me. She said, I'm not a good saver. It's like, what do you mean? She's like, I'm not a good saver. I'm, it's hard for me to hold on, uh, on to things. I want to I eat it now. And I thought, you know, that's true of all of us. I'm not a good saver either. You know, I want it right now. And, and yet, looking, you know, the life to come, it's about looking forward. It's about saving for what's to come. In verse 17, it says, those who are rich in this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Boy, we saw that this last year, didn't we? The last couple years. Wealth is so uncertain. People thought, oh, the housing market's just going to keep going forever. The stock market's going to keep going up forever. It's so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You can trust God. He made you. He knows what's going to fulfill you. If He says, don't put your hope in wealth, don't put your hope in wealth. He wants you to have a, a, you know, he says he made everything for our enjoyment. He wants you to enjoy your life. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We've got to look forward. How are you putting treasure in heaven? Are you investing in eternal treasures? Uh, back up here a, a little bit. I want to do a, a quick demonstration. It says here in verse 11, I'm going to need a volunteer, so be thinking about it. You can volunteer. It says, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And, and he goes on and on. He says, flee from this. What's he talking about? The, the, the love of money, the, the worldliness that's around us. Flee from that stuff and instead pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance. We've got to pursue godliness. It's something that we've got to pursue. We've got to chase it. And so um, I want to have, uh, can I get a volunteer, preferably from the teens, like a, like a teen guy or something? Okay, come on up here. Come on, Alan. Okay, come on up here. This is Alan. Say hey to everybody. Okay, uh, anybody have a watch with a stopwatch on it? Okay, Pinito, you're the first one. Okay, so so come on up here, Pinito. And what I'm going to do is, you're, I'm going to flee, and you're going to pursue me. <laughs> and if if you can if you can catch me in 20 seconds, I will give you this Jamba Juice card. Uh, I'm not sure how much is on it. <laughs> it's new though. It's not. It's not like used. Okay. It's, prob- it's probably like ten ten dollars or something. Good. Sound good. Okay. So so you say go, 
And then 20 seconds, you say time. Ready? Ready? Go. Okay. You got me. Oh. Oh, man. Good job, Alan. You got me. Oh, phew. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad Michael didn't do it. He's, he would have tackled me because he's a defensive. Oh, phew. I had four seconds left, but uh, he got me. Okay, so right now, my heart is pounding, and uh, I don't sprint very often, so, you know, I'm sweating. My body, my temperature's rising. Why? Because, because fleeing is hard work. How are you feeling, Alan? Are you like, did you get a little bit too? Okay. So, so fleeing is hard work. Pursuing is hard work. And so why did I do this? I didn't do it so you can... Tell everybody at work how, how weird your minister is. And, you know. Because I, I want you to remember this, that if you're going to pursue godliness, if you're going to flee that other stuff, it takes hard work. You've you, you got to be awake spiritually. you gotta, you got to uh, put some effort into it. The Christian life isn't something you just kind of float along. It's got to be hard work. It's got to be investment. It's, it's something that, you know, you're... I'm awake right now. There's no chance of me just, there's no chance of me just drifting off. You know? And yet I think spiritually we can be just sluggish. You know, when it says, flee these things, you know, we can flee kind of like, okay, don't, don't get me wealth. Don't chase me. You know? Or when it says, pursue godliness, we can kind of be like, Oh, I guess I should have a quiet time, you know. Kind of pursue, you know, pursue, chase. Amen? we got to put some guts into it. And I think that, amen. I think Christianity gets a bad name because there are so, we, we all, you know, that, that was us probably, that was me. Just weak, lukewarm Christianity. That's not the Christianity of the Bible. When it talks about godliness, it's on the edge it, it's, you know, you got to fight. It, it's going after it in your faith. That's what godliness is. Amen? we got to live as though we believe there is a heaven and hell. You know, I, I'm convinced sometimes that I don't, I don't live like I believe there's a heaven and a hell sometimes. It's kind of like just get through my day. And if there really is a heaven or really is a hell, I mean, what if you knew Jesus is coming back next month? You know, how would you live differently? What if you knew I am going to die next month? I'm going to meet God next month. I mean, you would live, I think, a little differently. And yet the mortality rate is 100%. We are all going to meet God someday. And so we've got to live that way. We've got to look forward, live life looking forward. I want to close with this scripture, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 14. And Paul, uh, Peter kind of puts all this together. 
says the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. You know, it should affect the way we live every day. The fact that everything's going to be destroyed. You know, that car that you're so worried about getting a scratch on, you know, it's going to burn. You know, it's all going, the house that you got to keep up. You know what? It's going to burn. Next part of the verse, it says, As you look forward to the day and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Amen? The home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort, just like Alan was making every effort to, to chase me and get that Jamba Juice card, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Godliness has value for all things, holding promise for this life and the life to come. Let's be men and women who exemplify godliness in every area of our lives so that God may receive all the glory. Amen.